Hi everyone, my name is Amber. I am the Head of Logistics at Toronto Youth for UNICEF and welcome to TYFU Talks. TYFU Talks is our brand new podcast initiative we're super excited to be launching. Every month we're going to be releasing a podcast episode around a monthly theme. The theme is going to be centered around a social justice issue around Canada and we're going to be inviting guests who have contributed to beating these social justice issues and facing them and hopefully share a little bit more with our audience about how they can contribute in helping face these problems as well. This is a very cool initiative. I am very honored to be hosting this month's episode. This month's uh, theme is going to be socioeconomic barriers in education. And I am so excited to be welcoming uh, Rebecca and Emma. They are from the GEM team, a Girls in Mentorship Organization, and they're going to be talking all about the organization and what they're doing to combat these socioeconomic barriers in education. So, just a quick bio on Girls in Mentorship. Girls in Mentorship is a top 100 rated Canadian-based charity founded in 2012 uh, that offers a mentorship program and professional resources to young girls facing socioeconomic barriers in Canada. It's an incredible organization with a lot of incredible things, and I'm sure Rebecca and Emma have a lot to say about the topic as well. So, Rebecca and Emma, how are you guys doing today? Great, so happy to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you so much again for taking the time. We're so excited to talk with you. Um, so for our listeners and viewers at home, just before we get started, we're gonna give a quick bio on Rebecca and Emma so you kind of a little understand a little bit more about their roles with GEM. So Rebecca is the program lead at GEM. Uh, Rebecca is an education professional with work experience advising for U of T student body, and she is passionate about the design and delivery of experiential learning opportunities that inspire change. And Emma is the policy and project coordinator at GEM. So she also has an educational background in public policy at U of T, uh, and she's interested in using evidence-based policy measures to achieve great societal change. So. They have a bunch of experience, a very incredible background in what they do. And with that being said, I'm really excited to just get into it. So uh, maybe Rebecca, you can start us off in what inspired this whole creation of Girls Z Mentorship? What was kind of um, the motivation for founding the organization? And then maybe we can get you two to talk a little bit about why you guys became involved with it. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, um, I'll touch on a few points and then I'll just let Emma jump in. We work very closely together and so Emma and I are used to kind of completing each other's sentences. Amazing. That works <laughs> for me. That's perfect. <laughs> so that might happen a little bit throughout. Um, so the organization was founded by a woman called Rochelle Degoise Jackman um, and she founded it based on a personal experience. Um, I think like many people who found nonprofits, it's all based in you know, your observation about society and what you see as a gap. Um, for her, when she was in graduate school at the University of London, she noticed that a lot of her um, colleagues in the program who were men had mentors, um, either informally or formally, um, but she didn't have one herself. Um, and noticed that, I guess, for women in the program as well, that was a common theme, um, just the absence of an informal or formal mentor. Mm -hmm. um, Emma, do you want to take it away on the, the second part of the story? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Rochelle kind of continued on, came back to Canada and worked in policy in various areas. Um, she was a consultant for a while. She worked for the Ontario Public Service in different wow. ministries. Um, yeah, a very accomplished person, very interesting um, career journey. And so after a few years doing policy work in 2012, as you mentioned, she founded GEM mm -hmm. um, and spent two years from when GEM was originally founded until the first cohort of girls just doing um, development, community consultation. Um, she worked with the School of Social Work at the University of Toronto 
and um, essentially just wanted to create the best evidence-based program to provide mentorship and professional development to young girls in the city so that they can reap those same benefits as those um, colleagues that she had in her graduate program. Wow, that's so, yeah. sounds like an incredible woman um, in founding that. For sure. And so how did you guys get involved? What kind of drew you to joining the GEM team? Uh, Emma was involved with GEM first, so I might pass it over to Emma oh, okay. to start us off. Sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, I was a Master of Public Policy student at the University of Toronto, and I graduated in the spring. But one of the major components of the program was doing an internship over in between the two years of classes. And I came across GEM through that internship and was so excited that I, I was able to put my policy and, and program knowledge to use practically um, in a nonprofit and in a nonprofit that's directed towards uplifting youth and uplifting mm-hmm. um, girls in the city that face a lot of um, barriers, socioeconomic and more. And so, yeah, as an intern, I wrote a lot of policy reports, um, research reports, one on effective mentorship and basically looking at all the data that talks about mentorship and making sure that GEMS practices were still in line with that academic writing. Um, and we are. <laughs> and um, the other project I work on, I worked on was creating a workplace peer mentorship program. And so we worked with a corporate partner who was interested in creating a program for women in their workplace. And we looked at a lot of the data on workplace mentorship and created a program for them that was evidence-based, much like GEMS. Um, and now I do a lot of the same. I've been working at GEM since May of 2020. I conduct research, government outreach, perform all the program evaluation, make sure that um, the mentees in the program are learning what we hope they're supposed to learn. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, supporting Rebecca as the program lead, our executive director, and the board of directors. Yeah, so uh, Emma and I met, and I joined GEM, in uh, (laughs) September of 2020. Um, that was an interesting time for GEM because it was embarking on its first year of fully online programming. This was um, something, a reality that we uh, had to become very familiar with over the months that followed because uh, COVID was impacting the delivery of a program. We, we originally had done in-person um, GEMinars, which are big educational uh, workshops that we lead and mentors and mentees would meet one another in person. All aspects of the program used to be in person. So in September of 2020, we transformed it into an online delivery model, and I was brought on effectively to do that um, and to transform all of the educational programming into an interactive experiential um, curriculum for all of our mentees and mentors. Um, that was a really interesting project and it's one that I think uh, Emma and myself both learned a lot from just being able to translate the in-person into an online environment and still right. make it rewarding and impactful. Um, you'll know from our values and what we've communicated so far that impactful part is really crucial. You know, We yeah. want to make a difference and actually want to have a meaningful contribution on the lives and the prospects of the people who join our program, whether they're mentors or mentees. Mm-hmm. Um, so I come from an education background. I did my master's of adult education and uh, adult education and community development. I think that was the title. <laughs> this was <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and that was at OISE, which is at the University of Toronto, and they're very dedicated in moving forward 
um, the theory that education is what leads to social change. So that's mm -hmm. a lot of the theories that we studied, a lot of the, the mission and the values behind the degree. Um, and so I was always keeping my eyes open for opportunities where I could work in organizations or in capacities where education did lead to social change. And GEM's mission really appealed to me. Uh, it made a lot of sense in terms of being able to uh, create actionable change and societal change. Uh, we lead a program that is able to uh, help underrepresented communities find representation in various fields, specifically young women. Um, and it's something that I would very easily say, like, I want to dedicate my life to. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been a great connection in that sense. Um, I've also volunteered and worked at a lot of other nonprofits, and I'm familiar with that experience in the space and working with youth. And I did career education at the University of Toronto. So I did a lot of educational counseling when it came to career development and trying to figure out where you want to take your path in life, and which right. is a really difficult question. So. Um, yeah, it was just a perfect fit in those ways. Well, that's amazing. Well, I mean, amazing that the universe put you guys together uh, <laughs> and found your place at GEM because clearly it would not be the incredible organization it is without your, your help and your contributions. Um, and I love actually, Rebecca, what you said about, you know, education empowering social change because that is kind of the topic really is how, you know, so we have these socioeconomic barriers to the education system and how we can fight that, you know, through providing these resources and, and whatever else we can. And so uh, at Toronto Youth for UNICEF, you know, we did a lot of research about what this kind of means in the scope of things of like, we think, I think socioeconomic barriers and education, this, this phrase, it seems very much identifiable with, let's say third world countries or countries or um, societies and communities that don't seem like very close to us, really. But first world countries like Canada, the socioeconomic barriers that we face are very similar. Um, and so, you know, in doing some research about thinking about the disparity in, you know, public and private schools and how that can affect the access to resources or gender disparities. I mean, you guys focus on empowering young girls because they are at a disadvantage statistically uh, speaking, you know, doing that. So I would love to, maybe Emma, you can start us off with this. What do you think is the greatest struggle maybe a young girl faces today? Um, and how do these maybe socioeconomic barriers do you think impact that? I guess you could also speak maybe from your experience working in GEM, seeing all that behind the scenes. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed in my experiences and then also working at GEM is a lack of confidence. And I, I think a big part of that is that young girls, it's hard to see yourself in leadership roles because that representation just isn't there and so it's hard to develop confidence and develop um like long-term goals for yourself in in roles that are leadership roles when you don't see other women that look like you in those leadership roles and that could be um that could be anything as a doctor as a ceo as a lawyer um, that could be working in nonprofits, wherever if you don't see yourself in those roles it's hard to build confidence and um, set goals to get yourself there. And that's a big barrier um, that I think girls face right now. Yeah, of course. Um, Rebecca, did you want to add on? Yeah, um, so I would echo that. That's something that, um, along with other factors Emma and I have actually observed, it's data that we have, like, and you know, Emma has done a lot of work on tracking that and, and seeing just the extent of how much confidence does uh, appear as a barrier for the mentee. Um, and we're happy to say when they finish the program, they usually know that their confidence has increased. <laughs> so that's usually a good thing. 
Um, I would say yeah. also access to opportunities is something that um, Emma and I have often observed as well. Uh, the mentees who come into our program are coming from situations uh, where they are not perhaps able to join programs that are definitely uh, for costs, like paid. Yeah. Um, these are opportunities that are inaccessible to a lot of uh, young people around the city. Um, being able to, to rely on their free programming that's owned by the government or profit organizations is something that um, does support them uh, significantly. Um, access to opportunities allows you to meet people. Um, if a mentee isn't able to meet someone who works in medicine, to use that example, um, and they want to be a doctor, you know, that is a missing piece. That's something that they really want to be able to fill. And our program is designed to try to increase access in that sense to that networking um, piece that I've just mentioned mm -hmm. to allow them to create connections with established professionals and to bridge that gap, like access to opportunities, to present them with these opportunities and right. um, increase their prospects as a result. Um, I don't know, Emma, if you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think no, being able to meet those people and build those connections is so important and having a mentor to do that is really great. And also having a mentor, whether they work in your or not, who knows the steps to um, post-secondary programs and how to apply right. and how to get scholarships, like um, building those personal connections, but then also just gaining that um, that knowledge about how to, once you have access to the opportunities, how do you, you know, um, take advantage of that and actually that. put yourself yeah. in that role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure, I mean, that experience is kind of invaluable having someone individually to talk to and ask questions and things like that. Um, and I know you guys have mm -hmm. an incredible roster, I guess you could say, of mentors that are incredibly successful women oh my gosh you gotta if you're able to go on the gem website and see you know some of the um, co companies and people that are a part of the organization it's, it's kind of mind-blowing really um, to see all the support it's, it's incredible so what do you guys look for kind of qualities in a mentor when you're you're looking to take someone on that you want to see reflected um, for the mentees to look up to anyone can take this question should I start Emma yeah go ahead <laughs> Um, so I think first off, uh, being non-judgmental and open-minded is crucial. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we would accept a mentor who didn't display those qualities. That's just crucial for admittance into the program as a mentor. Um, the reason why that's important is because we work with um, populations that are marginalized and also facing extreme barriers and we can't have anybody coming in and saying, things that are under the the umbrella of, you know, oh, we'll just chin up and, you know, right, that's not right. that hard, you'll get through it. Like, we need people who are going to be able to be non-judgmental, be open-minded, be open to learning about experiences that aren't similar to their own and being compassionate to that. Um, that is incredibly important and you can't build trust without that. Uh, we have noticed that again, it's, it's provable in our data. Mm -hmm. Um, the trust is, is a huge part of uh, the building of a relationship and having a strong mentorship relationship. Um, I would also note uh, creative problem solving is really important when you come to a place where you are meeting someone and they don't have the same experiences as you and what worked for you might not necessarily work for them. How do you have a conversation with this person and brainstorm creatively to find solutions that may be new to you, but may work really well for this young person who has different experiences and just is looking for a path 
that's creative and is going to be able to overcome obstacles that are persistent. Um, so having that creativity is really important as well. Um, and Emma, I don't know if you want to add anything else. Yeah, I think um, in a lot of the research that I've done, one of the big things that um, academics mention and then that we've kind of confirmed with our own program participants is having empathy and authenticity. Like it's, um, Rebecca talked about creative problem solving and in order to get to that level where you can have an open and, and honest conversation with your mentee, you need to be as a mentor really authentic about your own challenges and, um, you know, break the ice and really talk about yes, I'm here in this leadership role now and all of our mentors are. I mean, you mentioned it's incredible, um, just the range of, of um, industries that they're in and occupations that they hold, but yeah. everyone's faced barriers and everyone has faced challenges getting to those roles. And I think one thing that we, we really hesitate to talk about is the challenges that we've faced getting there because we're just really excited to be in these roles, but face um, being open about those challenges that you face can really um, shine a light on the adversity that you've overcome and just showing your mentee like here are all the steps that I took it wasn't just a straightforward path there were ups and downs and here's how I dealt with that um and I think a lot of our program participants have said like vulnerability breeds vulnerability if a mentor can be vulnerable and really honest and authentic then their mentee will reflect that and that's how you can kind of build a really productive um and non-judgmental relationship wow, the program yeah. I mean, I think especially for girls coming from facing these barriers so often um, and being in those underprivileged circumstances, no matter you know what that means for them, you're right, that kind of vulnerability and being real about what has happened, I think is probably refreshing to hear a little bit as well. So that's great. I love that you guys build on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, you sure. know, also talking about education as a whole and these barriers, uh, we've noticed that there's kind of been a little bit of a shift recently in the education system in the government Ontario trying to make a lot more changes. So we've seen like there's an implementation of financial literacy, we're having coding classes, I think they're actually de-streaming grade nine, which means if you have usually you have your academic and applied courses that have different kind of um, levels of the way that they work in terms of resources and the, the work that they're given, they're de-streaming it, so they're making it kind of one course. There's a lot of changes I think that we're seeing presently being made to that. Um, coming from you know behind the scenes of the organization working to provide extra educational and professional resources, is there anything you guys would like to see the Ontario government do to kind of help combat what you guys are fighting for? Uh, yeah, I can, I can start. I think that um, it's great what we're doing, but we can only access so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, providing professional development programming is something that will serve young people long term um, and really equip, equip them for getting to the point where they are either going into post-secondary, whether that's college or university, whatever choice they make, uh, or pursuing a career after graduation, being able to have soft skills and know how to network, how to communicate with professionals, how to write a really good email, <laughs> you know, right, how to right. put themselves out there, how to create um, confidence in terms of their job searching and their resumes. I know that we have, or at least way back when, when I was in high school, we had a careers class, but it was more uh, high level thinking. 
which yes. is fine. I can, I can confirm this, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's fine, you know, it says something that it hasn't changed since when I was in grade 10, um, <laughs> which is a while ago. Um, but the, the aspect of getting to that point is fabulous. We need to do that high level thinking. We need to think our bono values, but also equipping students with like those tangible skills that they can use and implement to get a job, to get you know a professional connection and to meet someone who can impact their journey in a positive way. Those are really important, and I think the professional development programming should be um, definitely added to the curriculum um, in some way or another, because uh, we see the impact that it has on the confidence of the youth who come to our program. So it's yeah. uh, only a natural assumption that it would be really good to expose to all the students in Ontario, too. Of course, yeah. And uh, did you want to add on that? Yeah, I think, you know, the soft skills, as Rebecca mentioned, are so important. And with the careers class, I mean, I'm sure it was the exact same when I was in high school, like very high level thinking about society as a whole, which is great. But building on that, doing more practical and creative problem solving as someone in policy, like the first time that I learned about how to take an issue in society and then break it down and figure out different um, different resolutions for it was in my graduate degree and I think we'll be able to create a lot more active global citizens and have people much more engaged in politics and, and current events that really matter to everyone um, is if we start with the curriculum and start by having informed discussions on history and other um, other like issues in society and then working with students to create um, resolutions to these issues and and really trying to get people to cr think creatively about how to address climate change in Canada, how to address, um, you know, socioeconomic barriers that massive communities face in our in our cities and in our, our provinces and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, on your end at GEM, I, I know we were reading into it that you guys are preparing for some big changes and big kind of extensions of the program and then hoping to kind of do a lot more of what you guys are doing already because you guys are already doing an amazing job. Uh, so what do you guys see the future of, of GEM being a part of the team um, in the future in the years to come? Um, so the next couple of years is going to be a very interesting time for GEM. Um, there's a lot of ambition in terms of geographic and cohort size expansion. So, you know, being able to bring the program to more people outside of the GTA um, is something that we know might happen because we have people every year who submit applications from like way outside the GTA, <laughs> um, both nationally and internationally, and unfortunately can't support them. But you know that's that's something that we're we're considering and just right. growing the cohort more and more. I'm trying to be able to provide the program to as many um, people who need it as possible. Um, so those two things go hand in hand. Um, our goal is to empower as many unrepresented, underrepresented young women um, as possible um, to make them be confident into their entry into the professional world and to increase representation in fields that are traditionally dominated by men um, and by white men specifically. I think that our founder's goal and like our goal is just to see that change and to be able to know that um, people in positions of power are people who represent the interests of more than just one group. Yeah, um, sure. And that's that's something that's really important, and it's not that radical. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's just about representation, right? So I know we all come from, 
you know, the city and, and uh, we know how it looks and uh, want to see that represented in, in places that make big decisions that impact all of us. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about the expansion um, of the program and then uh, Emma is working on a lot of things about expansion too. Yeah. Um, yeah, just going off of, you know, seeing that representation that we know to be a reality in Toronto and seeing that at the higher levels. One of the things that we're doing um, to support that is this new initiative that we have, Gem Lab, which is a lab, um, a policy and research lab, essentially, where um, myself and other researchers um, write reports and conduct research on um, various topics that are both um, related to GEMS program and improving GEMS program, but also advocating um, on behalf of the interests of the mentees that we have. And so um, a lot of the, the recent projects that we have have included um, a study on mentorship in a virtual world. So looking at our, our program outcomes and the learning outcomes and the experiences that our cohort had in 2020 and mm -hmm. learning from them and trying to figure out what we did well as a, as a virtual cohort and how we can improve that learning. Um, another report that we just published is mentorship through a feminist and anti-racist lens. And so um, a lot of that report was looking at different ways to approach mentorship through those lenses and to best support um, mentors and mentees in developing a really strong um, positive relationship and making sure that everyone everyone is seen and everyone is heard and everyone can kind of walk away from the program um, getting the most out of it and yeah. hearing hearing themselves in their mentor and vice versa. Um, and other stuff we're doing, which is really exciting, is expanding our out GEMS professional network through government outreach. A lot of what we talk to our mentees about is using LinkedIn and other kind of online supports to expand their professional networks. And we're trying to do the same thing as well. So we're meeting with um, members of provincial and federal government to introduce GEM, introduce the work that we do um, talk about the research that we conduct using our program data, but as well using external data um, and just developing these strategic partnerships. And our, our goal with this is to um, not only obviously just develop these relationships, but to gain access to funding at the federal and provincial level and make sure that the, um, the issues that our mentees face and the barriers that they face are at the forefront of discussions with government officials so that we can continue um, to make a difference in a, in a bunch of different ways and at different levels of government. So yeah. that's, that's where that's, we're going. That's incredibly <laughs> exciting. Can I just say, wow, I, am, yeah. I cannot wait to hear of all the amazing things. And um, yeah, that's amazing that you guys were able to connect directly well, you know, with government officials and trying to implement that, not just from kind of a nonprofit perspective, but kind of, I guess, seeping that through to hopefully education curriculum. Who knows, maybe mm -hmm. GEMS yeah. will be the new, the new change to the curriculum where we have a new edition. That would be amazing. Um, and yeah. yeah, and I guess as a lasting note uh, to end off the episode, we at obviously Toronto Youth for UNICEF are all about kind of empowering our audience and youth to be social advocates for causes that they um, are passionate about. So would you guys have maybe any advice of things that youth in the area in the GTA could do to help combat the socioeconomic barriers or help support GEM or, or anything of that nature? Yeah. Rebecca, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, first, uh, first off, I would say, um, like, remember the why behind 
what you're doing. Um, it's really hard sometimes, especially if you're fighting for something that um, feels incredibly challenging or insurmountable even, or you face a lot of challenges in trying to get to your goal, um, to be able to remember why you're doing it, who you're doing it for, um, and always coming back to that or having some kind of tangible reminder of that, whether it's like a quotation or like a picture or something, right. just so you can keep yourself motivated amidst challenges and opposition. Um, I would also say that reflection is one of the most important things in my life. I feel like I try to find time to reflect anytime I can. Um, and I do a lot of journaling in my spare time. Uh, and I think reflection is something really key as well to growth. So being able to know who you are, what you're fighting for, but then also how you're changing as you have experiences, right. as you meet people, as you engage in activities, you know, how is that evolving? How is your purpose or your, your drive evolving um, as you encounter these experiences? Uh, does that mean you're starting to focus it a little bit more in one particular area? Does it mean you want to grow it more? Um, does it mean you want to relocate? You know, there, there are lots of reasons why reflection helps us. Uh, as we're continuing to self-advocate and advocate for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, just to add to that, I think a really important piece um, is just being informed on what you're advocating about. Be really open to just doing research and learning everything that you can learn right, because I yeah. think we all have topics that we're really passionate about, but being able to, when you're engaging in discussions and you're, you're speaking about these issues, having um, some sort of evidence to back you up and being able to speak to um, either journalism or uh, academic research or anything, any sort of data to show this is why this is an issue and this is the number of people that it's impacting and um, yeah, and just and learning about the perspectives of people on the ground too, I think is something that's really important. It's mm -hmm. um, to, to advocate based on issues that you face is so valuable and it brings a lot of passion, but also engaging with communities and, and making sure that the points that you're advocating for um, support what they think would help as well. Um, yeah, every every sort of advocacy has to be evidence informed. And I think that's a big part of what GEM does yeah. is making sure every, every piece of our program is based off of um, effective things that someone else and other programs have done and learned from and published on and making sure that we're we're learning from other people's experiences and we're learning from our own experiences. Um, so yeah, just, just make sure that you're, you're well informed and, and you're yeah. doing the most that you can um, to do research, yeah. That's amazing. Well, Rebecca and Emma, thank you guys so, so much for being here. Uh, it was so great hearing about GEM and everything that you guys are doing. And again, I really think refreshing to hear from an inside perspective of people who are actually kind of working at this every day to try and fight this this issue of, of breaking down this barrier specifically for young women. Um, I cannot wait to hear of what happens with uh, Jem in the future, especially talking with the government officials and the, seeing what kind of happens with that. Yeah. Um, if any of the viewers or listeners would like to keep an eye out for Jem, um, support Girls in Mentorship, or follow any of them on social media, uh, all of the links to websites, social media handles, and all of that will be in the descriptions of wherever you're watching or listening to this too, so make sure to go check it out, check them out because they're doing incredible work and I'm sure a lot of you would be interested to hear more about that. Um, and with that being said, thank you so much for listening and watching and we will see you guys next episode. Bye everyone.